0: CD 9 Torches streamed along the castle walls. The ghastly red and black flag snapped in the wind. Vimes looked over the side of the bridge. The water was a long way down and pure white even before it reached the waterfall. Forward and back were the only possible directions here. He reviewed his troops. Unfortunately, this did not take long. Even a policeman could count up to five. "'Then there was Gavin and his wolves who were lurking in the trees. "'And finally, very definitely finally, there was Gaspode, "'the corporal knobs of the canine world, "'who detached himself to the group uninvited. "'What else was on his side? "'Well, the enemy preferred not to use weapons. "'This bonus evaporated somewhat when you remembered "'that they had at will some very nasty teeth and claws.' "'He sighed and turned to Angua. "'I know this is your family,' he said. "'I won't blame you if you hang back.' "'We'll see, sir, shall we?' "'How are you going to get in, sir?' said Carrot. "'How would you go about it, Carrot?' "'Well, I'd start by knocking, sir.' "'Really?' Sergeant Detritus, forward, please.' "'Sir.' "'Blow the bloody doors off.' "'Yes, sir.' Vimes turned back to Carrot as the troll gazed thoughtfully at the door and began making extra turns on his crossbow's winch, grunting as the springs fought back. Their fight was unsuccessful. "'This isn't Ankh-Morpork, see?' said Vimes. Detritus hoisted the bow onto his shoulders and took a step forward. There was a thunk. Vimes didn't see the bundle of arrows leave the bow. They were probably already fragments by the time they'd gone a few feet. Halfway towards the doors, the expanding cloud of splinters exploded into flame from the air friction. What hit the doors was a fireball as angry and unstoppable as the fifth elephant and travelling at an appreciable fraction of local light speed. My God, Detritus! muttered Vimes as the thunder died away. That's not a crossbow, that's a national emergency. A few bits of charred door crashed onto the cobbles. The wolves won't come in, Mr. Vimes, said Angua. Gavin will follow me, but they won't come, not even for him. Why not? Because they're wolves, sir, they don't feel at home in houses. The only sound was the squeak-squeak of detritus winding up his bow again. The hell with it, said Vimes, drawing his sword and stepping forward. Lady Sybil untucked her dress from her underwear and stepped carefully across the little courtyard. She was somewhere around the rear of the castle as far as she could make out. She flattened herself as best she could against a wall when she heard a sound and tightened her grip on one of the iron bars that had formerly graced the window. A large wolf came around the corner, holding a bone in its mouth. It did not look as if it was expecting her, and it certainly wasn't expecting the iron bar. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, said Lady Sybil automatically as it folded up onto the cobbles. There was an explosion on the other side of the castle. That sounded like Sam. Do you think they heard us, sir? said Carrot. Captain, people in Ankh-Morpork probably heard us. So, where are all the werewolves? Angua pushed forward. This way, she said. She led them up a flight of low steps, the doors to the keep. It swung back slowly. There were torches in the hall, too. They'll leave us somewhere to run, she said. We always leave people somewhere to run. A pair of smaller doors at the far end of the hall were pushed open. No handles, Vimes noted. Paws can't use handles. Wolfgang stepped in. A couple of dozen werewolves escorted him, fanning out around the room and sitting down, sprawling down, and then watching the intruders with keen interest. "'Ah, civilized," said Wolfgang cheerfully. "'You've won the game. Would you like another go? When people have a second game, we give them a handicap. We bite one of their legs off. Good joke, eh?' ''I think I prefer the Ankh more pork of humour,'' said Vimes. ''Where's my wife, you bastard?'' He could still hear the sound of detritus winding. That was the trouble with the big bow. It was only a quick-fire weapon by geological standards. ''And Delphine, look what's a dog dragged in,'' said Wolfgang, ignoring Vimes. He stepped forward. Vimes heard a growl begin in Angua's throat a sound which would cause instant obedience in many of Ankh-Morpork's criminal population when they encountered it in a dark alley. There was a deeper rumble from Gavin. Wolfgang stopped. "'You haven't got the brains for this, Wolfie,' said Angua. "'And you couldn't plot your way out of a wet paper bag. Where's Mother?' She looked around at the lolling werewolves. "'Hello, Uncle Ulf, Aunt Hilda, Magven, Nancy, Unity. The pack's all here, then.' "'except for father, who I expect is off rolling in something. "'What a family!' "'I want these disgusting people out of here right away!' "'said the baroness, stepping into the hall. "'She glared at Detritus. "'How dare you bring a troll into this house?' "'Okay, it's all wound up,' said Detritus cheerfully, "'hoisting the humming bow onto his shoulder. "'Where should I fire it, Mr. Vimes?' "'Good grief, not in here. "'This is an enclosed building.' Only until I pull this trigger, sir. How very civilised, said the Baroness. How very enk more pork. You think you merely have to threaten on the lesser races back down, eh? Have you seen your gates lately, said Vimes. Via we are werewolves, snapped the Baroness. And it was a snap. The words sharp and clipped as though they were barked. Stupid toys like that don't frighten us. But it'll slow you down for a while. Now bring out Lady Sibyl. ''Lady Sibyl is resting. You are in no position to make demands, Mr. Vimes. We are not the criminals here.'' As Vimes's mouth dropped open, she went on, ''The game is not against the law. It has been played for a thousand years. And what else is it you think we have done, stolen the dwarfs' pet rock? We...'' ''You know it wasn't stolen,'' said Vimes, ''and I know...'' ''You know nothing. You suspect everything. You have that kind of mind.'' Your son, said, my son unfortunately has honed to perfection every muscle in his body except the ones for sinking with, said the Baroness. In civilized ankh I dare say you can barge into people's houses and stamp around, but here in our barbaric backwater, the law requires something beyond mere assertion. I can smell the fear, said Angua. It's pouring off you, mother. Sam? They looked up. Lady Sybil was standing at the top of some stone stairs, leading to a lower floor, looking bewildered and angry. She was holding an iron bar with a bend in it. Sybil, she told me you were on the run and they were all trying to save you, but that wasn't right, was it? It's a terrible thing to admit to yourself, but when the shoulder blades are pressed firmly against the brickwork, then any weapon will do, and right now, Vime saw Sybil loaded and ready to fire. She got on with people. Practically from the moment she'd been able to talk, she'd been taught how to listen. And when Sybil listened to people, she made them feel good about themselves. It was probably something to do with being a... a big girl. She tried to make herself seem small, and by default, that made those around her feel bigger. She got on with people almost as well as carrots did. No wonder even the dwarfs liked her. She had pages to herself in Twerp's peerage, huge ancestral anchors biting into the past and dwarfs also respected someone who knew their great-great-great-grandfather's full name. And Sybil couldn't lie. You could see her redden when she tried it. Sybil was a rock. She made Detritus look like a sponge. "'We've been having a lovely run in the woods, dear,' he said. "'Now please come here, because I think we're going to see the king, and I'm going to tell him everything. I've worked it out at last.' "'The dwarfs will kill you,' said the baroness. "'I can probably outrun a dwarf,' said Vimes.' And now we're leaving. Angua? Angua hadn't moved. Her eyes were still fixed on her mother and she was still growling. Vimes recognised the signs. You spotted them in the bars of Ankh-Morpork every Saturday night. Hackles rose and people climbed up them. And then all that was needed was for someone to break a bottle or blink. We are leaving, Angua, he repeated. The other werewolves were standing up and stretching. Carrot reached out and took her arm. She turned, snarling. It was over in a fraction of a second, and in reality her head had hardly moved before she got a grip on herself. So this is the boy, said the Baroness, her voice slurring. You betray your people for this? Her ears were lengthening, Vimes was sure. The muscles in her face were moving strangely too. And what else has Enkhwa Park taught you? Angua shuddered. Self control, she muttered. Let's go, Mr. Vimes. The werewolves closed in as they backed towards the steps. ''Don't turn your back,'' said Angua levelly. ''Don't run.'' ''Don't need telling,'' said Vimes. He was watching Wolfgang, who was moving obliquely across the floor, his eyes fixed on the retreating party. ''They'll have to bunch up to follow us through the doorway,'' he thought. He glanced at Detritus. The giant crossbow was weaving back and forth as the troll tried to keep all the wolves in the field of fire. ''Fire it,'' said Angua. ''But they're your family!'' said Sybil, They'll heal soon enough, believe me. Detritus, don't shoot unless you have to, Vimes ordered as they headed towards the drawbridge. He has to now, said Angua. Sooner or later, Wolfgang will leap and the others will take... There's something you ought to know, sir, said Cheery. You really ought to know it, sir. It's really important. Vimes looked across the drawbridge, figures massed in the dark, torchlight glinted off armour and weaponry blocking the way. "'Well, things couldn't get any worse,' he said. "'Oh, they could if there were snakes on here with us,' said Lady Sybil. Carrot turned at the sound of Vimes's snort of laughter. "'Sir?' "'Oh, nothing, Captain. Keep your eyes on the bastards, will you? "'We can deal with the soldiers later.' "'Just say the word, sir,' said Detritus. "'You are trapped now,' snarled the Baroness. "Watchman, do your duty!' A figure was walking across the bridge carrying a torch. Captain Tantany reached Vimes and glared at him. Stand aside, sir, he said. Stand aside, or by God's ambassador or not, I'll arrest you. Their eyes met. Then Vimes looked away. Let's let him through, he said. The man's decided he's got a duty to do. Tantany nodded slightly, and then marched on across the bridge until he was a few feet from the Baroness. He saluted. Take these people away, she said. Lady Seraphine von Oberwald, said Tantany, woodenly. "'You know who I am, man?' "'I wish to talk to yous concerning certain charges made in my presence.' "'Vimes closed his eyes. "'Oh, you poor dumb idiot. "'I didn't mean you to actually—' "'You what?' said the Baroness. "'It has been alleged, my lady, that a member or members of your family "'have been involved in a conspiracy to—' "'How dare you!' screamed Seraphine. "'And Wolfgang leapt, and the future became a series of flickering images.' In mid-air he changed into a wolf. Vimes grabbed the bottom of Detritus' bow and forced it upwards at the same time as the troll pulled the trigger. Carrot was running before Wolfgang landed on Captain Tantony's chest. The sound of the bow echoed around the castle, above the noise of a thousand whirring fragments scything through the sky. Carrot reached Wolfgang in a flat dive. He hit the wolf with his shoulder and the two of them were bowled over. Then, like some moving magic lantern show coming back up to speed, the scene exploded. Carrot got to his feet and it must be because we're abroad, thought Vimes. He's trying to do things properly. He'd squared up to the werewolf, fists balled, a stance taken straight from figure one of the noble art of fisticuffs, which looked impressive enough right up to the point when your opponent broke your nose with a quart mug. Carrot had a punch like an iron bar and he landed a couple of heavy blows on Wolfgang as he got up. The werewolf seemed more puzzled than hurt. Then he changed shape, caught a fist in both hands and gripped it hard. To Vimes's horror, he stepped forward without apparent effort, forcing Carrot back. Don't try anything, Angua, said Wolf, grinning happily, or else I'll break his arm. Oh, perhaps I'll break his arm anyway, yes. Vimes even heard the crack. Carrot went white. Someone holding a broken arm has all the control they need. "'Another idiot,' thought Vimes. "'When they're down, you don't let them get back up. "'Damn the Marquis of Fantaylor. "'Policing by consent was a good theory, "'but you had to get your opponent to lie still first. "'Ah, and he has other bones,' said Wolfgang, pushing Carrot away. "'He glanced towards Angua. "'Get back, get back, or I'll hurt him some more. "'No, I shall hurt him some more anyway.' "'Then Carrot kicked him in the stomach. "'Wolfgang went over backwards.' But turned this into a back flip and a mid air spin. He landed lightly, leapt back at the astonished carrot, and punched him twice in the chest. The blows sounded like shovels hitting wet concrete. Wolfgang grabbed the falling man, lifted him over his head with one hand, and hurled him down onto the bridge in front of Angua. Civilized man, he shouted. There he is, sister. Vimes heard a sound down beside him. Gavin was watching intently. "'making urgent little noises in his throat. "'A tiny part of Vimes, "'the little rock-hard core of cynicism, thought, "'All right for you, then. "'Steam was rising off Wolfgang. "'He shone in the torchlight. "'The blonde hair across his shoulders "'gleamed like a slipped halo. "'Angua knelt down by the body, face impassive. "'Vimes had been expecting a scream of rage. "'He heard her crying. "'Besides Vimes, Gavin whined. "'Vimes stared down at the wolf.' He looked at Angwer trying to lift Carrot, and then he looked at Wolfgang, and then back again. ''Anyone else?'' said Wolfgang, dancing back and forth on the boards. ''How about you, civilized? ''Sam!'' hissed Sybil. ''You can't!'' Vimes drew his sword. It wouldn't make any difference now. Wolfgang wasn't playing now. He wasn't punching and running away. Those arms could push a fist through Vimes's ribcage and out the other side. A blur went past at shoulder height, Gavin struck Wolfgang in the throat, knocking him over. They rolled across the bridge. Wolfgang changing back to wolf shape to lock jaw against jaw. They broke, circled and went for another one again. Dreamlike, Vimes heard a small voice say, ''He wouldn't last five minutes back home fighting like that. The silly bugger's gonna get creamed fighting like that. Stuff the mark as a flaming fan, Taylor.'' Gaspode was sitting bolt upright, stubby tail vibrating. ''The dafty, this is how you win a dogfight.'' As the wolves rolled over and over, Wolfgang tearing at Gavin's belly, Gaspode arrived growling and yapping and launched himself in the general direction of the werewolf's hind quarters. There was a yip. Gaspode's growls became somewhat muffled. Wolfgang leapt vertically. Gavin sprang. The three hit the parapet of the bridge together, knocked the crumbling stones aside, hung for a moment in a snarling ball and then dropped down into the roaring whiteness of the river. The whole of it from the moment Tantany had crossed the bridge, had taken much less than a minute. The Baroness was staring down into the gorge. Keeping his eye on her, Vimes spoke to Detritus. "'Are you sure you're werewolf-proof, Sergeant?' "'Pretty much, sir. Anyway, I got the bow wound up again.' "'Go into the castle and fetch the resident eagle, then,' said Vimes calmly. "'If anyone even tries to stop you, shoot them, and shoot anyone standing near them.' "'No problem about that, sir.' "'We're not at home to Mr. Reasonable, Sergeant.' "'I do not hear him knocking, sir.' "'Go to it, then.' "'Sergeant Angua?' She did not look up. "'Sergeant Angua!' Now she looked up. "'How can you be so cool?' She snarled. "'He's hurt!' "'I know. Go and talk to those watchmen hanging around on the other end of the bridge. They look scared. I don't want any accidents. We're going to need them. Cherry?' "'Cover Carrot and the lad with something. Keep them warm.' "'I wish there was something to keep me warm,' he thought. "'The thoughts came slowly, like drips of freezing water. "'He felt that ice would crackle off him if he moved, "'that frost would sparkle in his footsteps, "'that his mind was full of crisp snow. "'And now, madam,' he said, turning back to the Baroness, "'you will give me the scone of stone.' "'He'll be back,' hissed the Baroness. "'That fall was nothing, and he'll find you.' "'For the last time, the Stone of the Dwarfs. "'The wolves are waiting out there. "'The dwarves are waiting down in the city. "'Give me the stone, and we might all survive. "'This is diplomacy. "'Don't let me try anything else.' "'I have only to say the word!' Angua began to growl. Sibyl strode towards the Baroness and grabbed her, "'You never answered a single letter all those years I wrote to you.' "'The Baroness stared at her in amazement, "'as people so often did when struck with Sybil's sharp non-sequiturs. "'If you know we've got the scone,' she said to Vimes, "'then you know it's not the real one, and much good may it do the dwarfs.' "'Yes, you had it made in Ankh-Morpork. "'Made in Ankh-Morpork. "'They should have stamped it on the bottom. "'But someone killed the man who did it. "'That's murder.' It's against the law, Vimes nodded at the Baroness. It's a thing we have. Gaspode dragged himself out of the water and stood shivering on the shingle. Every single part of him felt bruised. There was a nasty ringing noise in his ears. Blood dripped down one leg. The last few minutes had been a little hazy, but he did recall they'd involved a lot of water that had hit him like hammers. He shook himself. His coat jangled where the water was already freezing. Out of habit, he walked over to the nearest tree and, wincing, raised a leg. "'Excuse me?' A busy, reflective silence followed. "'That was not a good thing you just did,' said Gaspard. "'I'm sorry. Perhaps that is not the right moment.' "'Not for me, no. You may have caused some physical damage here.' "'It's hard to know what to say.' "'Trees don't normally talk back, is my point,' Gaspard sighed. "'So what happens now?' I beg your pardon. I'm dead, right? No. No one is more surprised than me, I may say, but your time does not appear to be now. Death pulled out an hourglass, held it up against the cold stars for a moment, and stalked away along the riverbank. Excuse me? There's no chance of a lift, is there? said Gaspode, struggling after him. None whatsoever. Only, being a short dog in deep snow is not good for the old wasp names, if you get my... Death had stopped at a little bay. An indistinct shape lay in a few inches of water. Oh, said Gaspode. Death leaned down. There was a flash of blue and then he vanished. Gaspode shivered. He paddled into the water and nudged Gavin's sodden fur with his nose. Shouldn't be like this, he whined. If you was a human, they'd put you on a big boat on the tide and set fire to it and everyone would see. ''Shouldn't just be you and me down here in the cold.'' There was something that had to be done too. He knew it in his bones. He crawled back to the bank and pulled himself up onto the trunk of a fallen willow. He cleared his throat. Then he howled. It started badly, hesitantly, but it picked up and got stronger, richer. And when he paused for breath, the howl went on and on, passing from throat to throat across the forest. The sound wrapped him as he slid off the log and struggled on towards higher ground. It lifted him over the deeper snow. It wound around the trees, a plaiting of many voices becoming something with a life of its own. He remembered thinking, maybe it'll even get as far as Ankh Moorpork. Maybe it'll get much further than that. Vimes was impressed by the Baroness. She fought back in a corner. I know nothing about any deaths. A howl came up from the forest. How many wolves were there? He never saw them, and then when they cried out, it sounded as though there was one behind every tree. This one went on and on. It sounded like a cry thrown into a lake of air, the ripples spreading out across the mountains. Angua threw her head back and screamed. Then, breath hissing between her teeth, she advanced on the baroness, fingers flexing. "'Give him the damned stone!' she hissed. "'Will any of you face me now?' Then give him the stone! What seems to be the trouble? Igor lurched through the stricken gates, trailed by detritus. He caught sight of the two bodies and hurried over like a very large spider. Fetch the stone, growled Angua, and then we will leave. I can smell it. Or do you want me to take it? Seraphine glared at her, then turned on her heel and ran back into the ruins of the castle. The other werewolves shrank back from Angua, as if her stare was a whip. "'If you can't help these men,' said Vimes to the kneeling Igor, "'your future does not look good.' Igor nodded. Oh, "'This one,' he said, indicating Tantany, "'fleth wounds. I can stitch him up a treat, no problem.' "'This one,' he tapped Carrot. "'Nasty break on the arm,' he glanced up. "'Master Wolfgang being playing again?' "'Can you make him well?' snapped Vimes. "'No. It's his lucky day,' said Igor. "'I can make him better. "'I've got some kidneys just in, a lovely little pair. "'Belong to young Mr. Crepancy. "'Hardly touched a drop of strong liquor. "'Same about the Avalanche.' "'Does he need them?' said Angua. "'No, but you should never miss an opportunity to improve yourself, I always say.' Igor grinned. "'It was a strange sight.' The scars crawled around his face like caterpillars. Just see to the arm, said Vimes firmly. The Baroness reappeared, flanked by several werewolves. They also backed away as Angua spun round. Take it, said Seraphine. Take the wretched thing. It's a fake. No crime has been committed. I'm a policeman, said Vimes. I can always find a crime. The sleigh slid under its own weight down the track towards Bjonk. "'the town's watchman running alongside it "'and giving it the occasional push. "'With their captain down, they were lost and bewildered "'and in no mood to take orders from Vimes, "'but they did what Angua commanded "'because Angua was of the class that traditionally gave them orders. "'The two casualties were bedded down on blankets. "'Angua?' said Vimes. "'Yes, sir. "'There's wolves keeping pace with us. "'I can see them running between the trees.' "'I know.' "'Are they on our side?' Let's just say they're not on anyone's side yet, shall we? They don't like me much But they know Gavin did Right now that's what's important Some of them are out looking for my brother Would he have survived that? It was a long way down Well, it wasn't fire or silver There's nothing but white water for miles It probably hurt a lot But we heal amazingly well, sir Look, I'm sorry that... No, Mr. Vimes, you're not You shouldn't be Carrot just didn't understand what Wolfgang is like. You can't beat something like him in a fair fight. I know he's family, but personal is not the same as important. Carrot always said that. Says that, said Sybil sharply. Yes. Carrot opened his eyes. What happened back there, he said. Wolfgang hit you, said Angua. She wiped his brow. What with? Carrot tried to push himself upwards, winced and fell back. "'What have I always told you about the Marquis of Fantaylor? said Vimes. "'Sorry, sir.' Something bright rose from the distant forests. It vanished, and then a green light expanded into existence. A moment later came the pop of the flare. "'The signallers have got to the tower,' said Vimes. "'Can't this damn thing go any faster?' said Angua. "'I mean, we can contact Ankh-Morpork,' said Vimes. After everything, he felt curiously cheered by this. It was as if a special human howl had gone up. He wasn't floundering around loose now. He was floundering on the end of a very long line. That made all the difference. It was a small public room over a shop in Bianc. And, since it belonged to everybody, it looked as though it didn't belong to anyone. There was dust in the corners, and the chairs that were currently arranged in a ragged circle had been chosen for their ability to be stacked neatly, rather than sat on comfortably. Lady Margolotta smiled at the assembled vampires. She liked these meetings. The rest of the group were a pretty mixed bunch, and she wondered what their motives were. But perhaps they at least shared one conviction, that what you were made as wasn't what you had to be, or what you might become. And the trick was to start small. Suck, but don't impale. Little steps. And then you found that what you really wanted was power, and there were much politer ways of getting it. And then you realised that power was a bauble. Any thug had power. The true prize was control. Lord Vetinari knew that. When heavy weights were balanced on the scales, the trick was to know where to place your thumb. And all control started with self. She stood up. They watched her with slightly worried yet friendly faces. My name, in the short form, is Lady Margolotta Amaya Katarina Assumpta Krasina von Ueberwald, and I am a vampire. They chorused, Hello, Lady Margolotta Amaya Katarina Assumpta Krasina von Ueberwald. It has been almost four years now, said Lady Margolotta, and I am still taking one night at a time. One neck would always be one too many. But there are compensations. There were no guards on the gate of Bionk, but there was a cluster of dwarfs outside the embassy as the sleigh slid to a halt. The wolves in the traces jerked nervously and whined at Angua. I'll have to let them go, she said, getting out. They've only come this far because they're frightened of me. Vimes wasn't surprised. At the moment, anything would be frightened of Angua. Even so, a squad of dwarfs was hurrying to the sledge. It'd take them a few seconds to get a grip on things, Vimes realised. There were uptown guards here and an Igor and a werewolf. They'd be puzzled as well as suspicious. That should give him a tiny crack to leave open. And, ashamed as he was to say it, an arrogant bastard always had the edge. He glared at the lead dwarf. What's your name? he demanded. You are under... you know the scon of stone was stolen. You what? Vimes reached round and pulled a sack out of the sleigh. Bring those torches closer, he shouted and because he delivered the command in a tone that said there was no doubt that it had to be obeyed, it was obeyed. I've got twenty seconds, he thought, and then the magic goes away. Now, look at this, he said, lifting the thing out of the sack. Several dwarfs fell to their knees. The murmuring spread out. Another howl, another rumour. In his current state he could see in his mind's bloodshot eye the towers in the night, clicking and clacking, delivering to Genua exactly the message that had been sent from Ankh-Morpork. "'I want to take this to the king,' he said in the hushed silence. "'We will take it,' the dwarf began moving forward. Vimes stepped aside. "'Good evening, boys,' said Detritus, standing up in the sleigh. The tortured noises the bows' Springs were making, under their preternatural stress, sounded like some metal animal in extreme pain, The dwarf was a couple of feet away from several dozen arrow points. ''On the other hand,'' said Vimes, ''we could continue talking. You look like a dwarf who likes to talk.'' The dwarf nodded. First of all, is there any reason why the two wounded men I have here couldn't be taken inside before they die of their wounds?'' The bow twitched into Tritus' hands. The dwarf nodded. ''They can go inside and be treated,'' said Vimes. The dwarf nodded again. "'still looking into a bundle of arrows bigger than his head. "'Cap it all. "'See how we get on when we simply talk. "'And now I suggest that you arrest me.' "'You want me to arrest you?' "'Yes, and, Lady Sybil, "'we place ourselves under your personal jurisdiction.' "'That's right,' said Sybil. "'I demand to be arrested.' "'She drew herself up and out, "'righteous indignation radiating like a bonfire, "'causing the dwarfs to back away "'from what was clearly an unexploded bosom.' And since the arrest of its ambassador will certainly cause difficulties with Ankh-Morpork, Vimes went on, I strongly suggest you take us directly to the king. By blessed chance, the distant tower sent up another flare. Green light illuminated the snows for a moment. What's that mean? said the dwarf captain. It means that Ankh-Morpork knows what's going on, said Vimes, praying that it did. And I don't reckon you want to be the dwarf who started the war. The dwarf spoke to the dwarf beside him. A third dwarf joined them. Vimes couldn't follow the hurried conversation, but right behind him, Cheery whispered, It's a bit beyond him. He doesn't want anything to happen to the scone. Good. The dwarf turned back to Vimes. What about the troll? Oh, Detritus will stay in the embassy, said Vimes. This seemed to lighten the tone of the debate somewhat, but it still appeared to be heavy going. What's happening now? whispered Vimes. There's no precedent for anything like this, muttered Cherry. You're supposed to be an assassin, but you've come back to see the king and you've got the scone. No precedent, said Sybil. Yes, there bloody well is. Pardon my clatching. She took a deep breath and began to sing. Oh, said Cherry, shocked. What? said Vimes. The dwarfs were staring at Lady Sybil as she changed up through the gears into full operatic voice. For an amateur soprano, she had an impressive delivery and range. A touch too wobbly for the professional stage, but exactly the kind of high coloratura to impress the dwarfs. Snow slid off roofs. Icicles vibrated. Good grief, thought Vimes, impressed. With a spiky corset and a hat with wings on it, she could be ferrying dead warriors off a battlefield. "'It's Iron Hammer's ransom song,' said Cheery. "'Every dwarf knows it. Eh, uh, it doesn't translate well, but... I come now to ransom my love. I bring a gift of great wealth. None but the king can have power over me now. Standing in my way is against all the laws of the world. The value of truth is greater than gold. Um, There's always been some debate about the last line, sir, but it's generally considered acceptable if it's a really big truth. Vimes looked at the dwarfs. They were fascinated, and one or two of them were mouthing along to the words. Is it going to work? he whispered. It's hard to think of a bigger precedent than this, sir. I mean, it's the Song of Songs, the ultimate appeal. It's built into dwarf law, almost. They can't refuse. It'd be not being a dwarf, sir. As Vimes watched, one dwarf pulled a fine chainmail handkerchief out of his pocket and blew his nose with a wet jingling noise. Several others were in tears. When the last note died away, there was silence, and then the sudden thunder of axes banging on shields. ''It's all right,'' said Cheery. ''They're clapping.'' Sybil, panting with the effort, turned to her husband. She gleamed in the torchlight. ''Do you think that was all right?'' she said. ''By the sound of it, you're an honorary dwarf,'' said Vimes. He held out his arm. ''Shall we go?'' News was going on ahead. Dwarfs were pouring out of the entrance to downtown when the Duke and Duchess arrived. There were dwarfs behind them now. They were being swept along and all the time hands reached out to touch the scone as it passed. Dwarfs crowded into the elevator with them. Down below, the roar of conversation stopped abruptly as Vimes stepped out and raised the scone above his head. Then the rock echoed and re-echoed to one enormous cheer. "'They can't even see it,' thought Vimes. "'To most of them it's a tiny white dot. "'And that was what the plotters had known, wasn't it? "'You don't have to steal something to hold it hostage.' They are to be arrested. Dee was hurrying forward, with more guards behind him. Again, said Vimes. He kept the stone aloft. You attempted to kill the king. You escaped from your cell. That's something about which we could hear some more evidence, said Vimes as calmly as he could. The scone was heavy. You can't keep people in the dark all the time, Dee. You shall certainly not see the king. Then I will drop the scone. Do so. It won't... Vimes heard the gasp of the dwarfs behind him. "'It won't what?' he said quietly. "'It won't matter. "'But this is the scon. One of the dwarfs that had accompanied them from the embassy shouted something, and several others took it up. "'Precedent is on your side,' Cheery translated. "'They say they can always kill you after you've seen the king.' "'Well, not exactly what I was hoping, but it'll have to do,' Vimes looked at Dee again. "'You said you wanted me to find the king, didn't you? "'And now—' "'How fitting that I return it to its rightful owner.' "'You... the king is... you may give it to me,' said Dee, "'pulling himself up to the height of Vimes's chest.' "'Absolutely not,' snapped Lady Sybil. "'When Ironhammer returned the scone to Bloodaxe, "'would he have given it to Slogram?' "'There was general chorus of dissent.' "'Of course not,' said Dee. "'Slogram was a trait...' "'He stopped. "'I think,' said Vimes, "'that we had better see the king, don't you?' You can't demand that, Vimes indicated the press of dwarfs behind them. You're going to be amazed at how difficult it's going to be for you explaining that to them, he said. It took half an hour to see the king. He had to be roused. He had to dress. Kings don't hurry. In the meantime, Vimes and Sybil sat in an anteroom on chairs too small for them, surrounded by dwarfs who weren't themselves sure if they were a prisoner escort or an honour guard. Other dwarfs were peering around the doorway. Vimes could hear the buzz of excited conversation. They weren't wasting much time looking at him. Their gaze always fell on the scone that he held in his lap. It was clear that most of them hadn't even seen it before. You poor little sods, he thought. This is what you all believe in. And before the day's out, you're going to be told it's just a bad fake. You'll see it's a forgery. And that about wraps it up for your little world, doesn't it? I set out to solve a crime... "'and I'm going to end up committing a bigger one. "'I'm going to be lucky to get out of here alive, aren't A door was rolled open. "'A couple of what Vimes thought of as the heavy dwarfs "'stepped through and gave everyone the official professional look "'which said that for your comfort and convenience "'we have decided not to kill you right at this very moment.' "'The King entered, rubbing his hands. "'Ah, Your Excellency,' he said, "'pronouncing the word as a statement of fact rather than a welcome. "'I see you have something that belongs to us.' D detached himself from the crowd at the door. "'I must make a serious accusation, sire,' he said. "'Really? Bring these people into the law-room, under guard, of course.' He swept away. Vimes looked at Sybil and shrugged. They followed the king, leaving the hubbub of the main cavern behind. Once again Vimes was in the room with too many shelves and too few candles. The king sat down. "'Is the scorn heavy, your excellency?' "'Yes.' "'It is weighted with history, see.' Put it down on the table with extreme care, please. And D That thing, said D, pointing a finger, that thing is a fake, a copy, a forgery. Made in Ankhmar Park. Part of a plot which I am sure can be proven involves my Lord Vimes. It is not the scone. The king lifted a candle a little closer to the scone and gave it a critical look from several angles. I have seen the scone many times before, he said at last. "'and I would say that this appears to be the true thing "'and this whole of the thing? "'Sire, I demand, that is, I advise you to demand "'a closer inspection, sire.' "'Really?' said the king mildly. "'Well, I am not an expert, see, "'but we are fortunate, are we not, "'that Albrecht Albrechtson is here for the coronation. "'All of Dwarfton knows, I think, "'that he is the authority on the scone and its history. "'Have him summoned. "'I dare say he is close at hand.' "'I should think just about everyone "'is on the other side of that door now.' "'Indeed, sire.' "'The look of triumph on Dee's face "'as he swept past Vimes was almost obscene. "'I think we're going to need another song "'to get us out of this one, dear,' murmured Vimes. "'I'm afraid I can only remember that one, Sam. "'The others were mainly about gold.' "'Dee returned with Albrecht "'and a following of other senior "'and somewhat magisterial dwarfs. "'Ah, Albrecht,' said the king. "'Do you see this on the table?' It is claimed that this is not the true thing and the whole of the thing. Your opinion is sought, please. The king nodded at Vimes. My friend understands more porky than your excellency. He just chooses not to pollute the air by speaking it. Just his way, see. Albrecht glared at Vimes and then stepped up to the table. He looked at the scone from several angles. He moved the candles and leaned down so that he could inspect the crust closely. He took a knife from his belt, tapped the scone with it, and listened with ferocious care to the notes produced. He turned the scone over. He sniffed it. He stood back. His face screwed up in a scowl, and then he said, Her The dwarfs muttered among themselves, and then one by one nodded. To Vimes's horror, Albrecht chipped a tiny piece from the scone and put it in his mouth. Plaster, thought Vimes, fresh plaster from Ankh-Morpork, and D will talk his way out of it. "'Albrecht spat the piece out into his hand "'and looked up at the ceiling for a moment while he chewed. "'Then he and the king exchanged a long, thoughtful stare. pahak said Albrecht at last. a ad "'Behind the outbreak of murmuring, "'Vimes heard Cheery translate, "'It is the thing and the whole of—' "'Yes, yes!' said Vimes. "'And he thought, "'By gods, we're good! "'Ank, more pork, I'm proud of you!' "'When we make a forgery, it's better than the real damn thing. "'Unless... unless I've missed something.' "'Thank you, gentlemen,' said the king. He waved a hand. The dwarfs filed out reluctantly, with many backward glances at Vimes. D, Please fetch my axe from my chamber, will you?' the king said. "'Yourself, please. I don't want anyone else to handle it. "'Your excellency, you and your lady will remain here. "'Your dwarf must leave, however.' "'The guards are to be posted on the door. D. "'The idea's taster hadn't moved. D. "'What? "'Yes, sire.' "'You do what I tell you.' "'Sire, this man's ancestor once killed a king?' "'I dare say the family have got it out of their system. "'Now do as I say.' "'The dwarf hurried away, "'turning to stare at Vimes for a moment as he left the cave. "'The king sat back. "'Sit down, your monitorship.' and your lady too.' He put one elbow on the arm of the chair and cupped his chin on his hand. "'And now, Mr. Vimes, tell me the truth. Tell me everything. Tell me the truth that is more valuable than small amounts of gold.' "'I'm not sure I know it any more,' said Vimes. "'Ah, a good start,' said the king. "'Tell me what you suspect, then. Sire, I'd swear that thing as as fake as a tin shilling.' "'Oh, really?' The real scone wasn't stolen, it was destroyed. I reckon it was smashed and ground up and mixed with the sand in its cave. You see, sire, if people see that something's gone and then you turn up with something that looks like it, they'll think, this must be it, it must be, because it isn't where we thought it was. People are like that. Something disappears and something very much like it turns up somewhere else and they think it must somehow have got from one place to the other. Vimes pinched his nose. "'I'm sorry, I haven't had much sleep. "'You are doing very well for a sleepwalking man.' "'The, the thief was working with the werewolves, I think. "'They were behind the Sons of Aggie Hammer thief business. "'They were going to blackmail you off the throne. "'Well, you know that. "'To keep Oberwald in the dark. "'If you didn't step down, there'd be a war. "'And if you did, Albrecht would get the fake scone. "'What else do you think you know?' "'Well, the fake was made in Ankh-Morpork. "'We're good at making things.' I think someone had the maker killed, but I can't find out more until I get back. I will find out. You make things very well in your city, then, to fool Albrecht? How do you think that was done? You want the truth, sire? By all means. Is it possible that Albrecht was involved? Find out where the money is, my old sergeant used to say. Ah, who was it, said, where there are policemen you find crimes. Er, me, sir, but let us find out. "'Dee should have had time to think. "'Ah!' "'The door opened. "'The ideas-taster stepped through, "'carrying a dwarfish axe. "'It was a mining axe, "'with a pick-point on one side "'in order to go prospecting, "'and a real axe-blade on the other, "'in case anyone tried to stop you. "'Call the guards in, Dee,' said the king, "'and his Excellency's young dwarf. "'These things should be seen, see?' "'Oh, good grief!' thought Vimes, "'watching Dee's face as the others shuffled in. There must be a manual. Every copper knows how this goes. You let them know you know they've done something wrong, but you don't tell them what it is, and you certainly don't tell them how much you know, and you keep them off balance, and you just talk quietly and... "'Place your hands upon the scorn, D.' D spun around. "'Sire?' "'Place your hands upon the scorn. Do as I say. Do it now. You keep the threat in view, but you never refer to it. Oh now?' because there's nothing you can do to them that their imagination isn't already doing to themselves. And you keep it up until they break, or, in the case of my old dame school, until they feel their boots get damp, and it doesn't even leave a mark. "'Tell me about the death of Longfinger, the candle-captain,' said the king, after Dee, with a look of hollow apprehension, had touched the scone. The words rushed out. "'Oh, as I told you, sire, he—' "'If you do not keep your hands pressed upon the scone, Dee, "'I will see to it they are fixed there. "'Tell me again.' I he took his own life, sire, out of shame.' "'The king picked up his axe and turned it "'so that the long point faced outwards. "'Tell me again.' "'Now Vimes could hear Dee's breathing short and fast. "'He took his own life, sire.' "'The king smiled at Vimes. "'There's an old superstition, your excellency, "'that since the scone contains a grain of truth, "'it will glow red-hot if a lie is told by anyone touching it. "'Of course, in these more modern times, "'I shouldn't think anyone believes it,' he turned to Dee. "'Tell me again,' he whispered. "'As the axe moved slightly, "'the reflected light of the candles flashed along the blade. "'He took his own life, he did?' "'Oh, yes,' you said. "'Thank you,' said the king. "'And do you recall, Dee, When Slogram sent false word of Bloodaxe's death in battle to Ironhammer, causing Ironhammer to take his own life in grief, where was the guilt? It was Slogram, sire, said Dee promptly. Fyme suspected the answer had come straight from some roach-remembered teaching. Yes. The king let the word hang in the air for a while, and then went on. And who gave the order to kill the craftsman in ankh Morpork?" Sire, said Dee. Who gave the order to kill the craftsman in ankh The king's tone did not change. It was the same comfortable sing-song voice. He sounded as though he would carry on asking the question for ever. I know nothing about... Guards press his hands firmly against the scone, They stepped forward. Each one took an arm. Again, Dee, who gave the order? Dee writhed as if his hands were burning. I... I... "'Vimes could see the skin whiten on the dwarfs' hands "'as he strained to lift them up from the stone. "'But it's a fake. "'I'd swear he destroyed the real one, "'so he knows it's a fake, surely. "'It's just a lump of plaster, "'probably still damp in the middle.' "'Vimes tried to think. "'The original scone had been in the cave, hadn't it? "'Was it? "'If it wasn't, where had it been? "'The werewolves thought they had a fake, "'and it certainly hadn't left his sight since. "'He tried to think through the fog of fatigue.' He'd half wondered, once, whether the original scone had been the one in the dwarf-bred museum. That would have been the way to keep it safe. No one would try to steal something that everyone knew was a fake. The whole thing was the fifth elephant. Nothing was what it seemed. It was all a fog. Which one was real? "'Who gave the order, D said the king. "'Not me. I said they must take all necessary steps to preserve secrecy.' "'To whom did you say this?' "'I can give you names.' "'Later you will, I promise you, boyo,' said the king. "'And the werewolves?' "'The baroness suggested it. That is true.' Uberwald for the werewolves. Ah, yes. Joy through strength. I expect they promised you all sorts of things. You may take your hands off the scone. I do not wish to distress you further. But why? My predecessors spoke highly of you. You are a dwarf of power and influence.' And then you let yourself become a paw of the werewolves. Why? Why should they be allowed to get away with it? Dee snapped, his voice breaking with the strain. The king looked across at Vimes. Oh, I suspect the werewolves will regret that they... He began. Not them! The ones in ankh Park, Wearing makeup and dresses and, and abominable things! Dee pointed a finger at Cherry. ha Ak! How can you even look at her? You let her and Vimes had seldom heard a word sprayed with so much venom. Her, flaunt herself here, and it's happening everywhere because people have not been firm, not obeyed, have let the old ways slide. Everywhere there are reports. They're eating away at everything dwarfish with their their soft clothes and paint and beastly ways. How can you be king and allow this? Everywhere they are doing it and you do nothing. Why should they be allowed to do this? Now Dee was sobbing. I can't. Vimes saw that Cheery, to his amazement, was blinking back tears. "'I see,' said the king. "'Well, I suppose that is an explanation?' He nodded to the guards. "'Take her away. Some things must wait a day or two.' Cheery saluted suddenly. "'Permission to go with her, sire?' "'What on earth for, young young dwarf?' "'I expect she likes someone to talk to, sire. I know I would.' "'Indeed.' I see your Commander has no objection. Off you go then the King leaned back when the guards had left with their prisoner and the prisoner's new counsellor. Well, Your Excellency, this is the real scon. You are not certain d was d is in a difficult state of mind. The King looked at the ceiling. I think I will tell you this because Your Excellency. "'I really do not want you going through the rest of your time here "'asking silly questions. "'Yes, this is the true scone. "'But how could—' "'Wait! "'So was the one that was, yes, ground to dust in the cave by Dee and her madness,' the king went on. "'So were the, let me see, five before that. "'Still untouched by time after fifteen hundred years? "'What romantic sweet dwarfs are!' Even the very best dwarf bread crumbles after a few hundred. Fakes, said Vimes. They were all fakes. Suddenly the king was holding his mining axe again. This, my lord, is my family's axe. We have owned it for almost nine hundred years, see? Of course, sometimes it needed a new blade, and sometimes it has required a new handle, new designs on the metalwork, a little refreshing of the ornamentation." "'But is this not the nine-hundred-year-old axe of my family? "'And because it has changed gently over time, "'it is still a pretty good axe, you know. "'Pretty good. "'Will you tell me this is a fake too?' "'He sat back again. "'Vimes remembered the look on Albrecht's face. "'A new! "'Oh, yes. "'A number of more senior dwarfs know. "'The knowledge runs in families.' The first scone crumbled after three hundred years when the king of the time touched it. My ancestor was a guard who witnessed it, see? He got accelerated promotion, you could say. I'm sure you understand me. After that, we were a little more prepared. We would have been looking for a new one in fifty years or so in any case. I'm glad one was made in the large dwarf city of ankh and I wouldn't be at all surprised if it turns out to be an excellent keeper. Look, look, They've even got the currents right, see. But Albrecht could have exposed you. Exposed what? He is not king. But I will be very surprised if one of his family is not king again in the fullness of time. What goes around comes around, as the Igor's say. The king leaned forward. You have been laboring under a misapprehension, I reckon. You think that because Albrecht dislikes Ankh-Morpork and has old-fashioned ideas. He is a bad dwarf. But I have known him for two hundred years. He is honest and honorable, more so than me that I am sure of. Five hundred years ago he would have made a fine king. Today, perhaps not. Perhaps, ha, the axe of my ancestors needs a different handle. But now I am king, and he accepts that with all his heart, because if he did not, he'd think he wasn't a dwarf. See. "'Of course he will now oppose me at every turn. "'Being low king was never an easy job. "'But, to use one of your metaphors, "'we are all floating in the same boat. "'We may certainly try to push one another over the side, "'but only a maniac like D would make a hole in the bottom.' "'Corporal Littlebottom thought there'd be a war,' said Vimes weakly. "'Well, there are always hotheads, "'but while we argue about who steers the boat,' we don't deny that it's an important voyage.' "'I see you are tired. Let your good lady take you home.' "'But as a nightcap, what is it, Your Excellency, that Ankh-Morpork wants?' "'Ankh-Morpork wants the names of the murderers,' mumbled Vimes. "'No, that is what Commander Vimes wants. What is it that Ankh-Morpork wants? Gold?' "'So often it is gold, or iron, perhaps. You use a lot of iron.' Vimes blinked. His brain had finally given up. There was nothing left anymore. He wasn't certain he could even stand up. He remembered a word. Fat, he said blankly. Aha, the fifth elephant. Are you sure? There's some good iron now. Iron makes you strong. Fat only makes you slippery. Fat, parroted Vimes, feeling the darkness closing in. Lots of fat. Well, certainly, certainly. "'The price is ten Ankh-Morpork cents a barrel, but, Your Excellency, since I have come to know you, I feel that perhaps five cents a barrel for grade one high-rendered, three cents for grade two, ten cents per barrel for heavy tallow, safe and delivered to ank morpork said Sybil, "'and all from the Schmaltzberg bend levels and measured on the iron crust scale. I have some doubt about the long-term quality of the big tusk wells.'" Vimes tried to focus on his wife. She seemed inexplicably a long way away. What? Eh, I caught up with some reading when I was in the embassy, Sam. Those notebooks. Sorry. Would you beggar us, madam? Said the king, throwing up his hands. We may be flexible on delivery, said Lady Sybil. Clatch would pay at least nine for grade one, said the king. But the Clatchian ambassador isn't sitting here, said Sybil. The king smiled. Or married to you, my lady, much to his loss. Six, five, and fifteen. Six dropping to five after 20,000 across the board for grade two. I can give you 13 on tallow Acceptable but give me 14 on white tallow and I'll allow seven on the new pale suets. We're finding they're making an acceptable candle look you Six, I'm afraid you haven't plumbed the full extent of those deposits And I think it may be reasonable to expect high levels of Scratle and BCBs in the lower layers besides "'I think your forecasts about the amount of those deposits "'are erring on the optimistic side.' "'What beastly bees?' murmured Vimes. "'Burnt crunchy bits,' said Sybil. "'Mostly unbelievably huge and ancient animals deep-fried.' "'You astonish me, Lady Sybil,' said the King. "'I did not know you were trained in fat extraction.' "'Cooking Sam's breakfasts is an education in itself, Your Majesty.' "'Oh, well, far be it for a mere king to argue. Six then!' Price to remain stable for two years. The king saw Sybil's mouth open. All right, all right, three years. I'm not an unreasonable king. Price is on the dock. How can I refuse? Agreed, then. The paperwork will be with you in the morning. And now we really must go our separate ways, said the king. I can see his excellency has had a long day. Ank more pork will be swimming in fat. I can't imagine what you'll use it all for. Make light, said Vimes and, as darkness fell at last, fell forward gently into the welcoming arms of sleep. Sam Vimes awoke to the smell of hot fat. Softness enveloped him. It practically imprisoned him. For a moment he thought it was snow, except that snow wasn't usually this warm. Finally he identified it as the cloud-like softness of the mattress on the ambassadorial bed. He let his attention drift back to the fat smell. It had overtones. There was a definite burnt component. Since Sam Vimes's spectrum of gastronomic delight mainly ranged from well-fried to caramelised, it was decidedly promising. He shifted position and regretted it immediately. Every muscle in his body squealed in protest. He lay still and waited for the fire in his back to die down. Bits and pieces of the previous two days assembled themselves in his head. Once or twice he winced. Had he really gone through the ice like that? Was it Sam Vimes who'd stepped up to fight the werewolf, despite the fact that the thing was strong enough to bend a sword in a circle? And had Sybil won a lot of fat off the king? And, well, here he was in a nice warm bed, and by the smell of it there was breakfast on the way. Another piece of recollection floated into place, Fimes groaned and forced his legs out of the bed. No, Wolfgang, couldn't have survived that, surely. Naked, he staggered into the bathroom and spun the huge taps. Hot, pungent water gushed out. A minute later, he was lying full length again. It was rather too hot, but he could remember the snows and maybe from now on he could never be hot enough. Some of the pain washed away. Someone rapped on the door. ''It's me, Sam!'' "'Sibyl?' "'She came in, carrying a couple of very large towels and some fresh clothes. "'Good to see you up again. Igor's frying sausages. "'He doesn't like doing it. "'He thinks they should be boiled. "'And he's doing slumpy and thickened haddock and distressed pudding. "'I didn't want the food to go to waste, you see. "'I don't think I want to stay for the rest of these celebrations.' "'I know what you mean. "'How's Carrot?' "'Well, he says he doesn't want sausages.' "'What? "'He's old? "'He's up?' "'Sitting up, at least. Igor's a marvel. "'Angua said it was a bad break, "'but he's just got some sort of device that... "'Well, Carrot's not even got a sling on now.' "'Sounds a useful man to have around,' said Vimes, "'pulling on his civilised trousers. "'Angua says Igor's got an ice house in the cellars "'and has frozen jars of... of... "'Well, let's just say he suggested "'you might like liver and onions for breakfast, "'and I said no.' "'I like liver and onions,' said Vimes. "'He thought about it. "'up until now, anyway. "'I think the king wants us to go as well, "'in a polite way. "'A lot of very respectful dwarfs "'came round here with paperwork first thing this morning.' "'Vimes nodded grimly. "'It made sense. "'If he was king, "'he'd want Vimes out of here too. "'Here's some grateful thanks. "'A nice trading agreement. "'Terribly sorry to see you go. "'Do call again, only not too soon.' "'Breakfast was everything he'd dreamed of. "'Then he went to see the invalid.' "'Carrot was pale, grey under the eyes, but smiling. "'He was sitting up in bed, drinking fat soup. "'Hello, Mr. Vimes. We won then. "'Didn't Angua tell you?' "'She went off with the wolves when I was asleep,' Lady Sybil said. "'Vimes recounted the events of the night as best he could. "'Afterwards, Carrot said, "'Gavin was a very noble creature. "'I'm sorry he's dead. I'm sure we'd have got on well.' "'You mean every word of it,' Vimes thought. "'I know you do.' But it works out all right for you, doesn't it? It always does. If it had been the other way about, if it had been Gavin that attacked Volf first, then I know it would have been you that went over the falls with the bastard. But it wasn't you, was it? If you were dice, you'd always roll sixes. And the dice don't roll themselves. If it wasn't against everything he wanted to be true about the world, Vimes might just then have believed in destiny-controlling people and gods helped the other people who were around when a big destiny was alive in the world, bending every poor bugger around itself. Out loud, he said, Poor old gasboat went over too. How? What was he doing? "Uh, You could say he had our lad's full attention, a real street fighter. Poor little soul, he was a good dog at heart. And once again, words that would have sounded trite and wrong on anyone else's lips were redeemed by the way Carrot said them. And what about Tantony? Said Vimes. Left this morning, Lady Sybil said. Good grief! And Wolfgang played noughts and crosses on his chest. Igor's a dab hand with a needle, sir. Afterwards, a thoughtful Sam Vimes stepped out into the coachyard, and Igor was already holding the luggage. Uh, which one are you? Said Vimes. Igor, master. All right. And uh, are you happy here, Igor? We could do with a man of your talents in the watch, and no mistake. Igor looked down from the top of the coach. In Ankh-Morpork, master? My word! Everyone wants to go to Ankh-Morpork, master. It's a very tempting offer, but I know where my duty lies, Your Excellency. I must get the place ready for the next Excellency. Oh, surely. However, fortuitously, my nephew Igor is looking for a position, master. He should do well in ankh He's rather too modern for Oberfeld, that's for sure. Good lad, is he? His heart's in the right place. I know that for certain, sir. Er, uh, good. Well, get a message to him, then. We're leaving as soon as we can. He will be so excited, sir. I've heard that in ankh bodies just lie around in the streets for anyone to take away. It's not quite as bad as that, Igor. Isn't it? ''Oh, well, you can't have everything. I'll tell him directly.'' Igor lurched off in a sort of high-speed totter. ''I wonder why they all walk like that,'' thought Vimes. ''They must have one leg shorter than the other. Either that or they're not good at choosing boots.'' He sat down on the steps to the house and fished out a cigar. ''So, that was it then. Bloody politics again. It was always bloody politics or bloody diplomatics.'' Bloody lies in smart clothing. Once you got off the streets, criminals just flowed through your fingers. The King and Lady Margolotta and Vetinari, they always looked at some sort of big picture. Vimes knew he was, and always would be, a little picture man. Dee was useful, so she'd probably get, oh, a few days breaking bread, or whatever it was they gave you here for being naughty. After all, all she'd destroyed was a fake, wasn't it? Was it? but she'd thought she was committing a much bigger crime. That ought to mean something in Sam Vimes' personal gallery of little pictures. And the Baroness was as guilty as hell. People had died. As for Wolfgang, well, some people were just built guilty. It was as simple as that. Anything they did became a crime simply because it was them doing it. He blew out a stream of smoke. People like that shouldn't be allowed to simply die their way out of things. He hadn't, had he?